everybody, this is Tim Pichot, the Liberty Advisor, joined with John Snyson, The Economic Truth, and also Arthur Diamond Hands, who helps the show go round. And today, this is episode 39 of the Tim and John Show. We've got a lot of stuff to cover, mainly because I've been really busy and have not really been on my game when it comes to covering stuff as lately, as you know, as often as we used to. But you know, one of the articles I did want to go to first is we do have an article here from Zero Hedge that actually shows that Treasure U.S sells treasury bills at 0% for the first time since the COVID crash. And the treasury just sold $40 billion in four-week bills at a price of 100%, which means a rate of 0%. So imagine that. I mean, you've got essentially a bankrupt. People are lending the U.S., which is obviously a bankrupt government, money for nothing so then that way they can use that money to then weaponize it against us, social engineer us against each other, and then, you know, go around the world bombing different brown people all around the world. But, but you know, while being yeah. woke. So as long as you're woke, then it doesn't really matter what you're doing because it's, you know, all about, you know, what you say, not really what you do uh, and everything that's yeah. going on. And another article I wanted to, uh, you know, show you guys was this is out of Cointelegraph. Bitcoin searches in Turkey spike 566%. After Turkish lira drops 14%. So for those of you who don't know, Turkey recently went ahead and banned Bitcoin. Except, you know, like all of us here would expect. And what happened? Bitcoin got over 500% more popular in Turkey as soon as they went to go ban it. So, I mean, yeah, you can ban people breathing and make them wear masks. You can ban people doing that, and, uh, which is banning Bitcoin. And also two exchanges failed at <laughs> the same time. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering the if, if they failed yeah. or if they knew that they were about to be rounded up and the guy just left the country to maybe try to set up shop. I, I don't know. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, but it sounded like they were being, you know, wrapped up. Probably, probably not. It's it's uh, like the one at least is very similar to Quadriga CX here in Canada, which was one of the biggest exchanges, and uh, there was a ton of people there that lost so much uh, like Bitcoin that they had. It was just ridiculous. Uh, a lot of my friends that I had here in Winnipeg, they uh, they lost uh, you know insane amounts, like in the uh, basically close to millions in fiat. Uh, several friends, so yeah, it wasn't a happy time. But you know, you learn uh, you learn a lesson of you know, like when are we gonna learn that you not keep your uh, crypto on the exchange uh, because it's basically like having your money in the bank account. And what I learned here in Canada is uh, with our CDIC propaganda, Canada Deposit Insurance Corporation propaganda, is that uh, uh, they only have 0.00008% of the deposits that they're supposed to uh, protect uh, the bank. And what makes you think that it's any different with the uh, the crypto exchanges, uh, you know, when it comes to reserves and and being able to dig those up versus what they tell you that you have on the exchange. Yeah, in America, it's like you and I trying to backstop Bill Gates when it comes to the FDIC <laughs> in, in terms of how much they're capitalized and not even getting into derivatives or uh, contracts for differences or other stuff that we didn't even know you know existed until you know recently when uh, whatever Bill Huang's uh, uh, you know Archegos blew up recently. Now another article I wanted to flip to is. Jay Powell says the Fed is a long way away from withdrawing monetary support. So imagine that. I mean, obviously, there is no timetable of withdrawing support because every single time they have talked about drawing support, like the last one was going to be, you know, October 2018. What happened? The market started going down, was down 20%. Then they had to have, yeah, you know, September 17th. 
Well, this was that's that that was a different uh, that was a different uh, event. So we had that was 2019. But you also a year before yeah. that in 2018, you had the market. Uh, that's when the Fed pretended that they could start on selling. December. Yeah, that's when they started selling 50 billion dollars of bonds a month. Was that October? And then if you remember, right around Christmas time, they had the plunge yep. protection team and they had to call Mnuchin and they had to call you know. Yeah, there was up. no liquidity crisis. He said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, and then I and I love how uh, I don't have the article pulled up, but I think Gundelak was talking about how the Fed's just making it up when they talk about inflation being transitory, when they talk about how, you know, you know, basically, you know, they're going to be able to withdraw support at some point. And, and no, they're not. I mean, they're absolutely hooked on this. And there's no way uh, there's no way they can ever stop that. And the problem, yeah. the problem is where everything is going and where everything is going, you know, leads me to my next uh, article, which I need to fix this article on the screen because it's well, actually off. actually before you go there, Tim, it's uh, if you if you take a look at the actual uh, the Federal Reserve balance sheet, uh, you see that it's very different from 2008. In 2008, it peaked and then it dropped down quite a bit and then it slowly started to make its way up. Well, now it's basically just dipped down tiny little bit and then it's been going like this up compared to you know going like this up uh, last time. So it's actually uh, nearing eight billion, uh, quite soon uh, potentially. Uh, they've been bu they buy usually around. I'm trying to remember off my head now. Around like fifteen to twenty something uh, billion dollars worth of uh, short term bonds. Then they buy on a weekly basis. I think they buy twice a week. Uh, they buy one point four billion dollars or one to one point seven billion dollars of thirty uh, twenty to thirty year bonds. So for those that are not aware, the, the Fed is kind of like slightly, you know, into yield curve control uh, by, you know, buying those longer term bonds. They're not there yet, of course, but I think they're, you know, uh, playing with it. It's like the last time, Tim, when we were talking about the repo, they went into term repos, right? Uh, all that fun stuff that happened. Uh, and now, of course, here in Canada, we had a massive repo. I think the repo... Uh, intervention was 150 billion dollars now they're actually been able to sell off most of those uh, term repos because they're coming due and they're able to get rid of them because it's like doing better the economy here um and um it's interesting it's uh, it's actually dropped quite drastically down but it's it's only the repos because they're continuing to buy bonds here in canada as well there's no a uh, short end in sight they're buying derivatives uh which it's just like it's just a term derivatives uh is it mortgage-backed securities is it uh CLOs? what the hell are they uh you know uh, buying uh, it's uh, can't really dig that up uh we know that it's derivatives to some search reform here in canada but there is no uh, no one exactly what it is they're still bailing out the provinces here uh doing uh, provincial bonds uh purchases as well so uh, yeah, there's no end in sight, and and uh, over in Europe, uh, actually in Australia, just recently they announced that they're doing yield curve control. Uh, so Australia is done, uh, and then uh, in in Europe, you know, there's mass amounts of printing there as well. And, you know, we talked about it before. The Norwegian central bank owns like four percent of the stocks in Norway now, uh, on the Oslo burst, the, uh, the stock exchange there. So they're, they're just totally screwed themselves up. There's no way to exit out of this. Uh, and any any investor with common sense would know that you should have an exit strategy, but the Fed and 
every other central bank doesn't have it. Yeah, and speaking of central banks, what is going on now? Obviously, this is no real surprise to any of our uh, viewers over here, but explainer, an E, yuan, euro, or dollar. Central banks get to grips with digital cash. And the article goes on to say the world's biggest central banks are revving up work on issuing digital cash, aiming to fend off emerging threats to traditional money and to make payments smoother. And goes on to say, you know, well, don't we already have digital ca cash? Well, yes, you do. Whenever you use a debit or credit card or payment app to buy groceries or collect dry cleaning, you are using a form of digital money. But this is money created by commercial banks based on central bank money credited electronically to their accounts. This form of digital cash is not as risk-free as a CBDC. Deposits at commercial banks are usually only insured by governments up to a certain amount. If a bank fails, you could lose your savings. Why they fear losing? Why are central banks interested? Because they fear losing control over the supply of money and payments such as cryptocurrencies. And this is on Yahoo Finance too. Whether Bitcoin or private efforts such as the Facebook-backed DM. It goes on to say, as the use of physical cash declines, a CBDC would also ensure that the public has access to central bank money. And then where this is going next, I mean, the article keeps going on, but now I'm going to flip to another article out of technocracy.news shows programmable money. China's digital yuan models historic technocracy by embedding, embedding an expiration date. And so, you know, a lot of our viewers already know that China has been, you know, well on its way to developing a central bank digital currency. I even had some people that were very close to me who should know better ask me, like, hey, Tim, I hear China is getting a digital yuan. Should I go and invest in some of that? And, you know, and basically that's <laughs> going to be money where it's going to be completely tracked, trailed, surveyed. Yeah. They already have social credit in China. It's already been going on for like five years or something yeah. like that. Years One ago, minute. they were already banning people from getting on planes, trains, buses, taking their kids to private school, you know you know, for yeah. simple things like they weren't smiling when Xi was on TV. And so what they want to do, like the central bankers wet dream now is to have this, uh, they want to, you know, tinker and centrally plan everything. I mean, that's what central planners do. They centrally plan. They're technocrats. They call themselves technocrats. Like if you read in the book, the, uh, the re read the sign of the global financial infrastructure, all like if you, if you were to count the amounts of times they write technocrats in there, it's probably like, Three, four hundred times at the minimum. Uh, so they're very proud of it that they're technocrats, that they're, you know, for total control. And what's really funny, though, in the middle of this, you know, who's squeezed in the middle of the central bank digital currency and crypto, uh, Tim? It's the banks. <laughs> <laughs> they're really like becoming obsolete. It's either, you know, they're fighting the decentralized uh, gold with uh, with. Bitcoin and, and uh, several other ones that are digital cash and then you got the central bank digital currencies that are you know now being issued directly by the central banks <laughs> uh, they're really struggling they're gonna have to innovate themselves into this model. and, and I, I think I shared an article uh, about JP Morgan and a couple other banks that are trying to just do that uh, if if you can find it there, I forgot uh, which one. Well, it you is, shared but, ninety-seven uh, articles over here, so this might take a little while for me to find this. <laughs> it was ninety-seven. Come on, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, forty-two. But, I don't know. So, anyways, but what? Yeah. But with this programmable money, what they want to do is say, "Oh, hey, listen, we're going to go give you." Uh, well, and, hey, they don't even give them very much money. It's like to get, you know, they had, I think, 2 million citizens yeah. sign up to win the equivalent of like 30 bucks and only 50,000 even won it. And basically now they want to say, okay, well, when we start giving UBI, universal based income, we start giving you a thousand bucks a month, 
we're going to say, okay, well that either that money's spent in 30 days or three months or whatever the time frame ends up being or else it's gone. And so that way yeah, you can create this demand side economics where they want to then basically force people to spend money. And, and, and I'm sure in the future there'll be certain caveats like, oh, this can't be used to pay down debt or this can't be used to do this or that. And then they're going to then basically have people in such yeah. a manner where they're going to be forced to spend their money. And Probably doesn't sound crazy. Anybody listening to us, unless this is the first time you're listening to us, then you're probably like, oh, wow, this is pretty crazy. But it is something that, you know, it's been down the pipeline and what these guys want. And even last year, yes. the very first just... bailout bill in America was supposed to be the first version of it, the Maxine Waters draft. The first $1,200 stimulus payment was supposed to be given out through like a, basically a, a CBDC. And then they took it out of the, yeah. the first draft, put it into the, and it got as sort of just like a trial balloon and so it didn't make it into the into the final draft but that was a trial balloon that was barely covered you and i covered it back then but aside yeah. from that i mean hardly anybody even knows that and sorry what were you we saying well, yeah no expiring currency is basically uh the same as negative interest rates uh, what the central bankers want they want velocity of money they want the money to flow through the economy they don't want you to save them uh save the currency at all they want you to uh, you know, spend it on a constant basis. And they don't want you to actually get rid of your debt. They want you to just get in more and more and more and more and more debt. Uh, because if you pay down your debt, that's detrimental to the system. If everybody paid down their debt, uh, you know, there'd be still be interest rates, uh, interest owned on, on that uh, currency. So it's, uh, it's, you know, a total Ponzi scheme, but it's what they have to try to push is these schemes of trying to force you to spend uh, the currency into the economy so they could create more of it and ever ever more of it uh, or else you know the whole system falls apart Tim. well i did find a i sure it wasn't morgan stanley article he sent me morgan stanley says central bank digital currency is not a threat to cryptocurrencies is that the article that you were referring to no there, there's another one uh about jp morgan and some other banks that are creating uh some kind of payment digital pl payment platform I guess let's go over this one while we're at it. Uh, Morgan Stanley says yeah. central bank digital currency is not a threat to cryptocurrencies. And uh, no, definitely not. Cryptocurrencies <laughs> will still exist as they continue to serve other use cases. For instance, some cryptocurrencies can function as a store of value as some segments or cash as some segments of the public do not place their full faith in fiat currencies. Just imagine that mm -hmm. an investor's interest in cryptocurrencies has risen alongside the unprecedented monetary and fiscal policy response to the pandemic. Uh, so this is a Bitcoin.com article. And yeah, Morgan Stanley. And I did see recently yeah. what that uh, JP Morgan's is, like launching some sort of like individualized Bitcoin service for their high net worth clients. And what in like 2017 in September, remember Jamie Demon was out there saying that uh, you know, basically <laughs> Bitcoin's a scam and they're never going to have anything to do yeah. with it ever again, which is funny because it was actually at my first crypto conference as this was all going down. And so like I was in a building, a very small room and like actually Doug Casey was there and Jeff Burroke was there and Eric Voorhees of Shapeshift was there and Roger Veer uh, and you know, like Charles Hoskinson and just like a who's who of everybody at this. And it was funny that they were like all there as you have Jamie Dimon out here, you know, shit talking uh, Bitcoin, and then they go on to then launch their own uh, Bitcoin fund. So, you know, can't say can't say I'm shocked. And what the other article, the last article that I have here, then we can go on to John's articles is jumping around a little bit here. 
but Trump expects startling results as Arizona legislatures take possession of all ballots, voting machines from Maricopa County. And, you know, somebody that's not shocked of everything that's going on and anyone that saw my Anacapoca presentations from last year saw that I predicted that Trump will lose because they would steal the votes. Now, I didn't really necessarily think that they would steal from Arizona, but you know that, but you know that they probably did. And I voted for Kanye because I knew the whole thing's a freaking joke, anyways. Um, but I mean, I'm not going to get into like all the details of all the improprieties. But you know, I would not. I mean, I'm surprised they even kept the these uh, ballots because usually what they do is they the actual ballot is whatever is counted, and what's counted isn't isn't even the ballot; it's the image of the ballot. And what they do is they usually then go and erase the image of the ballot, which actually legally is the ballot, and say, "Oh, you know, we don't have like the hard drive space to go keep the ballots." Like bullshit. Like they what? They I mean, how much hard drive space does it take to you know, to keep you know images <laughs> of the ballot? I mean, what? It, you know, fine. I'll go pay to fucking keep all them. Like it's just a, a complete joke uh, that they're like, oh, you know, it's, it would, you know, we don't have like the bandwidth or the room to go keep the ballots. And and I know that. But we have the NSA that could take every information available on the internet and store it. So yeah. So if nothing else, I mean, hopefully this just exposes what you know a complete fraud this whole system is, and you're not going to vote yourself, you know, vote harder to get things done because if you don't, if you can't actually, you know. Basically, the most important vote you have is how you spend your time, how you spend your attention, and how you spend your money. Like that is going to be the most, uh, you know, important vote. And and I know the Democrats are fighting hard against this because if they can then show what happened in Arizona, and then you know basically extrapolate that out to other places, then you can you know really start to see you know the dam breaking on some of this stuff. And speaking of spending money. I know, John, one article that you wanted to talk about, and I'm skipping around a little bit, is uh, special drawing rights and how an allocation of international monetary fund special drawing rights will support low-income countries, the global economy, and the U.S. So, John, do you want to maybe talk a little bit about what the SDR, special drawing right, is for people that don't know real quickly, and then uh, you know maybe go into the article of what the uh, IMF are up to? Yeah, it's funny with the IMF, it's a... You know, it's actually a central bank uh, for the in the, under the United Nations. Yeah, so, so the IMF, uh, so the IMF is a is a bank, and the World Bank is like a fund, and the Federal Reserve is yeah. the federal and doesn't reserve anything. And the special drawing rights is a currency. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's exactly how it works. But it, it, it's funny, uh, the special drawing rights is actually a loosely based currency uh, based upon supposed to be uh, based upon the the pound. Uh, the euro, the yen, the, the renminbi, and the dollar. Uh, that's supposed to be the basket that's going to give it value. Now, it's almost course, the exact same thing that the Facebook's yeah. Libra was going to be based off of too. So it's about half, 40 yeah. to 50% of it's the dollar, uh, and then like 20% is the euro, and then you got the other currencies sprinkled in there. Yeah, and, and the thing with like this $650 billion print that they did, uh, there's also been talks about, uh, James Rickards talked about this like far, far back, like three, four years ago, about them actually using the International Monetary Fund to potentially bail out all these central banks and all their toxic assets and take them onto the IMF's balance sheet uh, and then freeing up the, the central banks to then, you know, do reset uh, in, in the on their local currencies, basically debasement of the currencies. Uh, but the special drawing rights just issued uh, was issued another 650 billion, and that's a tremendous amount. Of the last issue was 240 something during the uh, global financial crisis, so they almost tripled 
uh, the amount that they issued. What happens though, as I said, for uh, other, you know, for the um, the, the uh, countries that are struggling right now. But the problem is when you issue reserve currency, everybody shares out of that 650 billion. Uh, so it gets shared and the United States uh, gets most of that allocation of SDRs, uh, by the way. So, it, and that creates then reserves for the U.S. to uh, have more reserves on their uh, on the uh, exchange in the exchange stabilization fund to then leverage more uh, and buy and get into more debt. Was there uh, some talk that like what, China yeah. was actually helping dump dollars via like through the IMF and and acquiring SDRs and and basically dumping dollars for SDRs, but that was one mechanism of how they could do that. I don't. I didn't. You know the, I the article. That I, yeah, that I haven't actually looked too much into, but it's totally possible that they could do that. It's uh, the U.S. uses their their slush fund as their storage of SDRs. Uh, they also have yen in in that SDR. They have euro uh, euros as well. Uh, together with, uh, I, I don't think they hold any Chinese uh, renminbi uh, actually, but they hold euros and, and yen in their fund. Uh, so yeah, it's totally possible that they could do that, that they would just sell off. They, they don't even have to, uh, I guess they could come out and, and try to trade because SDRs are used for multilateral trade uh, between uh, governments, you know, when they settle something in between governments. Uh, so that like tariffs and all that stuff. So that could also it be used for and maybe they then went to the IMF and then just directly uh, gave more to the IMF. So the IMF holds more SDRs on their balance sheet. Uh, and maybe they got uh, Intel, you know, either euros or yens or something in, in you know, back. Uh, for selling, giving their SDRs back to to the international monetary fund. I'm not, I'm not sure. That's something that I got to look deeper into, Tim. But that's what what I could think of, anyways. That they would do. But when it comes to the IMF, they basically are a uh, uh, are a central bank, and and what they really want to do, they they would love to get that SDR as a world reserve currency, and then create that overarching umbrella currency that will get used for bilateral trade by nations. And then also being used by uh, multilateral corporations like Fords and like the big ones uh, to uh, settle trade. Uh, but meanwhile, you would have underlying currencies on the local level, like the Norwegian Krona, Canadian dollar, Aussie dollar, uh, US uh, US dollar, and so on. That would be devalued uh, under this new system. Now, and they also talked about in the worst worst case scenario, the IMF also holds gold uh, in their in their reserves. So what they could do is they could actually take the, the, the gold and then create a gold backed uh, special drawing rights as well. If, if they were to fail and, and if nobody wanted to, uh, you know, start using the SDR, because what we got to understand, if it comes to digital currencies as well, and, and they're also looking at digital SDR right now, uh, central bank digital currency to issue that. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it will work. Uh, because people have to start using it in the first place. And uh, one uh, test place that have already happened was in Ecuador from 2014 to 2018. Uh, when I was in Acapulco, I talked about this. Nobody actually heard about that Ecuador had their own uh, digital central bank digital currency at the time in 2014. Uh, but what's, uh, what's interesting about that is that that, <laughs> that currency failed because nobody adopted it and started using it. 
So that's a way to actually avoid uh, when the central bank digital currencies finally come, just ignore it and don't even use it. Uh, I know that, you know, that sentence, we talked about it before in China where they actually, you know, gamified it and they actually gave uh, currency to people uh, to try to entice them to use it. But other than that, uh, there's no... Uh, no real value for anybody to use it so why start using it uh, uh use crypto instead or use gold and silver or uh just use cash there's plenty of cash around there still uh i think you know if the central bank digital currencies comes in uh there's going to be then cash uh is going to be crypto like decentralized crypto basically uh that's one of my thoughts uh, on that where if you know, we I did, do I get the find, central bank there, I did find the allocation, so I had it on screen. And, and as of 2016, the remnant B is uh, almost 11%, 10.92. So the US dollar, 41.73. The euro, almost 31%. Uh, remnant B, almost 11. Uh, Japanese yen, 8.3. British pound, 8.09. And that doesn't equal all the way to 100. It's a little bit less than 100. And like you were saying before, they've rounded it out with some gold and maybe a tiny here percentage here or there uh but yeah it is a relatively new development since 2016 when the uh yuan got it got put in there so just wanted to uh yeah make sure make sure we weren't purveying any fake news on the uh no 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 also what they want tim is uh, the BRICS countries have tried to constantly get more voting power in the imf to take over the imf from the u.s because the u.s can veto any choice any anything that happens so what really is like the imf is really uh, too many cooks in the kitchen, as it's uh, been and said uh, by you know elites like Stu P. McIntosh, that is the executive director of G the G30 group, and uh, they want to have the financial stability board instead being in control of over monetary policy, but then still maybe use the IMF to uh, maybe issue that central currency. But they do want the the mechanism of control. They want that outside of the IMF because you can't have like 150 plus countries uh, going what on something. It's better to have 20 uh, technocrats sitting there making all the laws and regulations for people. <laughs> all right, and I think I found the other article that you were telling me about: uh, Tamascus, DBS, J.P. Morgan to launch global yeah. payments platform on blockchain. Is that the one? Yeah, yeah. there we go. Yeah. All right, and what was the uh, what was some of the takeaways from here? So, I mean, obviously you've got J.P. Morgan that was crap talking Bitcoin, you know, pretty much the past four years nonstop, and now here they are. You know, and I know that they'd already created some sort of interbank thing for their. They had their quorum, uh, quorum blockchain that they've been working on for a long time. Yeah. To encourage broad participation across the bank industry, Partiar will actively engage leading banks to join the platform to establish the scale required to benefit the industry. And see, this is one of the things that people who are like big into Ripple, and yeah, if you're big into Ripple, I guess I'm glad that you made a bunch of money recently. Uh, actually, I'm not really that glad. I mean, thanks. Okay, you got lucky. But in terms of, I mean, people think that you're going to have Ripple you know, all the central banks are going to start using Ripple. And I'm like, if you've got about central banks who have unlimited money, any money they don't have, they can print more of it. And you've got a lot of all this open source technology. Why wouldn't they just go create their own? I mean, they've got all this. Yeah, no. You know, and so no, they're not going to go use yeah. Ripples when they can go create their own, but not saying. And they actually got, Bank of Canada got rid of Ripple. They didn't want to use it. So, <laughs> sorry, Ripple. Well, I guess, you know, I guess they're not, you know, I guess they're not too dumb over there. But, you know, one other article I wanted to mention that you had sent over was copper prices top $10,000 a ton 
for the first time in 10 years. <clears throat> so prices rose as much as 1.3% uh, to $10,008 a ton on the London Metal Exchange before slipping back to a near unchanged. Uh, so yeah, you've got a lot of the, yeah. and this is up quite, I mean, and it was down like at one point, like around the, when the pandemic was, you know, really kicking in about 13 months ago, it was down closer to like 4,700 ish, just sort of, uh, eyeballing yeah. this right now, but that's, you know, quite the, quite the rally from 4,700 to just over 10,000. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and what's happening is also steel is up tremendously. I looked at steel as well. Uh, so that, you know, of course, steel and copper is the two major ingredients. This is any construction, you know, copper being the electrical part and then steel being the, uh, the structural part of a bu- of buildings, right? So, uh, they are, they're seeing a, you know, boom, of course, right now, uh, also based upon the cheap money that is uh, the currency that is getting created by these central banks by having interest rates near zero. Uh, so money is there free for everybody and everybody's just piling in here in Canada. It's, it's getting pretty, uh, completely insane. Uh, there's so much mortgage fraud going on right now, uh, in, tra- in, uh, Ontario. Uh, there's some articles about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, what was it? Uh, there was in, uh, I think it was in Toronto as well where the average uh, house home price went up uh, 50% more uh, than the actual household income gained. Um, and uh, there's, you know, here in Manitoba, where I live, we're up 14% on an average, uh, which is pretty insane as well. Uh, but it's just showing you the housing speculation. Like Canva is based upon housing. Uh, housing is like when I did the calculation where I had my, when I wrote my book back in 2015, uh, 15, uh, Canada, the greatest economy in the world, uh, question mark, it actually, uh, I actually was looking at the numbers and it's around t- almost 20% of, uh, the Canadian GDP is based upon him, uh, real estate related activities, which is totally insane. Uh, but that's why we're propping up our markets and we can't let the real estate market goes down because it's like uh, in Norway where the oil prices, um, uh, where, where the oil income actually is 20 plus percent of, of the uh, GDP as well. Uh, so it's similar addiction. Uh, Norway has oil, Canada has oil too, but it's more real estate actually uh, that it's extremely addicted to. And uh, it's not sustainable. Like it's just becoming beyond insane. Uh, there's in Vancouver now, people are having to buy more people together uh, to actually buy a house, two friends or something that gets together to buy a house uh, because it's it's not affordable anymore for just one person or for even a family of two anymore. Uh, so you, you're starting to see similarities between San Francisco and other places where they're, you know, like three, four people live together with $75,000 salaries in order to be able to afford, uh, because the living, uh, living costs are s- such insane values. Like where I live still, uh, it's very, very low compared to Vancouver and Toronto, but it's just getting to these baffling levels. you got the same thing in Australia. Uh, UK and Norway, all the Scandinavian countries are massive real estate bubbles. Singapore, uh, it's just all over the place. And it's created by central banks, uh, the basically behavior of 
pushing interest rates down to zero. But where are we going to be now? Like last time, uh, the Fed raised the interest rate to what ten, like two point twenty five. Was was that the high? That when yeah. they actually had to cut interest rates again, where are we going to be now? Like, are we going to go up to one and it's going to be full panic in the markets, right? We're, we're so massively leveraged and it's not just real estate. Like we're leveraged on margin, margin debt has hit all time highs as well. Uh, so it's and nowhere uh, are we safe right now, but people seem to just uh, go all in, uh, in these markets. And I don't know if it's going to be a crack up boom uh, or if you're going to see a massive, massive deflationary event. Uh, but it was actually an article that I didn't share with you, Tim, that just came to my mind. Uh, and it was an article by Bloomberg uh, that uh, I think was two, three uh, days ago that said that, uh, you know, don't worry about the business cycle. $12.6 trillion uh, of debt uh, fixed the problem. Uh, so there's no more debt cycle, uh, business cycle. Uh, apparently, according to them, but until uh, until it's not <laughs> like there's uh, that that's going to be a big problem, uh, and that business cycle is going to come back with such a vengeance uh, with you know pure manipulation by central banks. Then. Yeah, speaking of central bank manipulation, we've got uh, the great exit. Central banks line up to taper emergency stimulus. The Bank of Canada set the taper ball rolling last week, becoming the first major central bank to cut back on pandemic-era money-printing stimulus programs. So who's next? I mean, how much did Canada really cut back? Yeah, the Bank of Canada's $1 billion or $806 million cut to its weekly bond-buying program may remind investors that the next phase in 2021 will be the taper phase. So they cut it by almost by a billion dollars. No, no, that's... That's bullshit. Like, Fake remember news. what I said in, at the start? They actually, they actually cut the term, the actual repo interventions that they had. They're coming due now the terms, so they actually are, are now selling them back out again. The 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 repos uh, that they had. So, they, but they're still increasing their amounts of bonds that they're buying every every month. There's about four to five. No week. There's about four to five billion dollars in in new bonds getting purchased. They also purchase every month uh, municipal bonds. They also purchase derivatives every month. So, yeah, they're cutting one thing, but they're failing to tell the whole story there uh, because this is from, you know, uh, when when it really started that whole uh, massive uh, failure of, of the financial system when they had to uh, just go into the repo market in Canada as well. Uh, now it's kind of unwinding that a bit and, and getting rid of a bunch of the term repos that they had uh, because they come and do, I, I guess it was like a year almost out that some of those terms had. So now you're seeing them going uh, drastically down, but that doesn't mean that all the other stuff is going down. They're continuing to buy bonds uh, and they have to. Well, the, the Canadian government just went from a $30 billion deficit to a uh how much was it now uh, it's going to be 380 something uh this year so that that's a pretty substantial increase tim isn't it uh, if the united states were to do that they, how much would they be at right now they'd be at uh, 40 trillion in deficit that'd be the equivalent of what canada just did uh the canadian government so yeah, they're in deep, deep, deep trouble, the Canadian government. And uh, the central bank is going to have to buy a lot more bonds because they think that everybody's going to buy the bonds of Canada. They're actually talking about maybe downgrading the AAA rating now. 
uh, of the Canadian bonds, which is hilarious that we actually have triple A rating. It, it should be more like triple B, but uh, what do I know? You know, the, the rating agency seems to uh, know way better as they rate like $7 trillion worth of corporate debt, that triple B. Uh, and they, yeah, there's no risk of that getting down. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's just a massive debt bubble everywhere. Uh, bonds are at, you know, 700-year uh, lows. Uh, there was a great chart that somebody shared with me on, on uh, LinkedIn that I, you know, passed on to our Discord community. And it was 700 years of bonds, and it's like basically like ups and downs, of course, but it's a vertical line down until today. So... Uh, there we go. We're just in a gigantic bond bubble uh, where we have interest rate. The only uh, where to, uh, way to go now is to negative rates, and they're going to do it uh, when they get their central bank digital currencies because then they definitely can. Uh, it's way harder now. They tried it in Switzerland and other places, but people just started storing their, uh, you know, their holdings in cash and in, and in gold and silver. So it didn't really work with negative interest rates until you actually go and enslave people in, in a uh, central bank digital currency. And that's where it's coming. And not only uh, is it going to be a central bank digital currency, but as you know, I went on before, that now they're talking about having the, the money having an expiration date to it. And that's cute. Mm -hmm. You guys drank at the, the exact same time. It was almost like in, uh, in, in unison. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so I also see uh, you know one article that we probably should have talked about right after the copper one, but we do see lumber isn't the only thing that's getting more yep. expensive yep. for contractors and so uh you know young, lumber is just up uh <clears throat> over 200 percent year over year and it's just you know diesel's up also sorry yeah i got a story on that actually because quinn just uh, my wife she recently uh, she's wanting to get a really nice uh, gazebo for outside what we we're looking at last year it was 2800 uh for the gazebo Guess what the price is today? Uh, we checked it today. Six grand for that same gazebo. Uh, so pretty insane prices. I talked to, like, actually the company I work with here, we also have a construction company that we build houses. And uh, lumber costs are, you know, on, on just regular, like, OCB board, it's like a very sh crappy type of uh, plywood. Uh, that has gone up, uh, how much was it? Like uh, 10, 10 times. Uh, in value, uh, just a regular two by four is two, two, three times in, in value. So it's just insane. I just bought like, uh, we buy these fine, uh, you know, uh, plywood boards that are the, the best quality, about three quarter inch. Uh, they were doubled in price since last time I bought them. Uh, so it's just, yeah, it's gotten pretty insane. Uh, some people say that it'll you know, level $24,000 to the price of a new home right now. So I mean, you think about yeah, oh, $24,000. Yeah. To do, but then, but but it's all about a payment. So if you can then make the interest lower, so then the price costs, the house costs more, but maybe the payment's the same as what it was a year ago, or not dramatically more, because it's all about a payment, not about actually, you know. What's or going you on. you increase the term too, Tim. Uh, I I just saw recently it's a fifty month term now on, on just furniture uh for like beds and so on like 50, I just got a used, months i just got a used car that had over a hundred thousand miles on it and just got a loan for 2.99 percent now i could have gotten it for like two point uh like six five if i would have like given and it wasn't my normal bank but if i would have given them like two thousand dollars and just kept it there but i'm like ah, i'd rather and like so i didn't even like ah, you know 2.99 that's that's 
good enough. And they're willing to, and that's for 72 freaking months. So 72 months on a used car, who knows if the car is even be working by then. I mean, hopefully it is knock on wood, but, uh, you know, but they are giving out for 2.99%. Like there's really zero reason for me to pay this off in any, you know, expedited manner because they're basically the interest cost oh, no, yeah. over yeah. all that time period is like 2000 bucks. It's like nothing. Well, they have, they have 90 month terms now in the U S I saw on some commercials, 90 months. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Well, another, I also saw, you saw an article about, uh, you sent me over an article about Whirlpool is raising prices on some appliances yeah. by as much as 12%. And so obviously you got the fed out there saying, Oh, inflation is only like 1%, but yet, uh, you know, here the Whirlpool is raising it by, uh, you know, five to twelve percent. The lumber's, you know, two hundred percent. A lot of well, other... there's there's a lot of shortages too, Tim. Right? Like, like look at the microchip shortage that they're having struggles with now. Uh, there's not cars being made uh, by Ford and a couple others that are struggling to actually get the microchips to put in to the cars. Uh, computer parts are getting more and more scarce by the day um, because it's all coming out of China. Actually, what I'm working on right now is because I, I think it's imperative over the next uh, five years, uh, actually next decade, is I'm working on a massive commodities report, Tim, which is going to be very cool. Um, it's probably going to be two, three hundred pages. But what I'm what I'm working on is actually it was only going to be 150 two. pages, but but with inflation, actually with inflation now, it's only going to be like 87 pages. <laughs> so, so it's yeah. going to cost well, the same, but you're going to get half as much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's going to be in there uh, though is pretty cool because you're going to see actually who owns what commodities and who produces the most and all this stuff all the uh, tons of different minerals and and um, uh, and mineable uh, and uh, lumber and all that stuff but also i'm doing spices i'm doing food uh i'm doing uh meat and so on as well so very interesting uh, to look at for people that are interested in to see because commodities are the end all be all and that's why we're seeing steel uh, copper and many other commodities that are starting to be at record highs or all-time highs right now uh, is because of the, the the massive currency printing now of course when you do qe it's all central bank uh, reserves right but that still trickles into the into the to big economy through margin debt and then through mortgage debt and so on that things leverage into because they have all those reserves at the central bank yeah, and speaking of uh, you know what's going on, we've got Biden just committed to monthly stimulus checks for four more years. And John had told me yesterday that you know uh, the uh, head of the regime, uh, Joe Biden, over there was giving a speech yesterday. I didn't watch it. I listened to all right, and it already kind of read some of the experts out of it. But there's a child tax credit of thirty six hundred bucks per child under under six, three thousand dollars per child over six, and basically what they want to do is start. Uh, you know, giving, you know, people like 250 bucks a month for each child and then have that go all the way to 2025, which then brings me to my next article that says Biden's first hundred days best for stock market since FDR, but risks still loom. And so you have now FDR. I mean, of course, you know, he's the first president that elected an actual KKK member to the Supreme Court, but, you know, he's FDR. So he's a god. So you're not allowed to criticize him. Uh, and so with Biden, that was one of the things with Trump that I was always telling people like quit hanging, you know, Trump's entire legacy on the stock market because it's all BS predicated on printing a bunch of money and all this other bullshit that everyone listening to us already knows unless it's 
unless it's the first time you're listening to us and we haven't scared you away already 40 minutes into this. But I mean, why is the stock market up so much? It's because we're printing a bunch of money. I mean, and then you even got guys like Jamie Demon over here saying uh, JP Morgan CEO Jamie, Jamie Dimon doesn't expect stocks to crash anytime soon, but warns against ignoring Warren Buffett and trying to time the market. And I mean, I guess, you know, to some extent, <clears throat> you know, I can understand what he's saying when it comes to timing the market, how that's sort of a loser's game and how it should be more of a, you know, a long-term deal. Except, you know, if you're 65 years old, you know, you don't have a long time. You don't have 10 years to go wait for things to get back up. And, you know, and I'd say people this past, you know, run around when we, when, uh, you know, the market went right back up that, you know, a lot of people, in my opinion, got very lucky. And now this is a, you know, a, a chance of basically having a redo to kind of reposition your assets. And some, I, I had it highlighted and the highlights went away, but he goes on to basically say that only losers try to time the market and no one's, no one can really do that. And you should just have your money invested for the long run. Um, and well, Hey Tim, uh, sorry, I got to interrupt you there, but uh, this is a hilarious thing that you could ask any financial advisor, except for Tim, because Tim has answers to it. But if you ask them, uh, and I've done this, you know, there are just question marks when I ask it. It's like, so, you know, you tell me to invest for the long term, but what if you got a massive downturn of like two, three years when I'm actually going to start retiring? What, what do I do then? And I just see like yeah. a big question mark on their face. Yeah, they don't have an <laughs> there's, no, those are answers because they, they're getting taught to invest for the long term. But what if that long term, when you actually are finally retiring, you know, you retire right into a collapsing economy. <laughs> what are you going to do? And, and uh, yeah, they, they haven't thought that far, <laughs> unfortunately. But the, the, most of them are just salespeople anyways. They're, they're not, you know, like Tim that actually uh, has to care about uh, what, what and where you put your money, right? Well, so one of the greatest very risks different. that a retiree faces is sequence of return risk. Now, when you're accumulating money it's not that big of a deal if the market goes down and you're you know actively putting in you know a thousand dollars a month or five hundred dollars a month or a hundred dollars a month or you're just not withdrawing money but once you start withdrawing money and all of a sudden you're down 20 percent you know yeah. you need to get, go up something like in it let's say you're you're say you're withdrawing let's say you're down 20 and you're actually taking out four percent a year you know you've got to go up i forgot the exact math but it's something like 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 50, 60% just to get back to even because over the next three years, because you're also have to take into account that you're actively drawing money out from already depleted levels. And then what if yeah. bond rates end up going up and the Fed loses control and now you're in your 2% bond and maybe it's a 10 year bond and now you've got a million dollars in bonds, rates go up 2% and now you're principles like $780,000, you're going to get wrecked. Well, what, you're going to make your money back. You know, you got to wait 10 years to get your money back. And by then all the horses are out of the barn. The inflation will probably get way worse than that. And here's even Jamie Dimon saying inflation could spike and the Federal Reserve might move to cool the economy more quickly than expected, he cautioned. That would surprise people. And I guarantee you stock prices would be too high if that happened. Uh, but, you know, with the Fed coming in and buying $120 billion of bonds a month, obviously they're sort of like staving off that type of, uh, you know, devastation. But ultimately what they're going to do is make the devastation even worse by trying to delay the day of reckoning. But don't worry, you've got people like, uh, you know, Citigroup over here is eyeing <clears throat> mortgage tech and push to close the racial wealth gap. And it's funny because, you know, Citi was, you know, one of the ones who uh, Obama, I think in 2000, you know, 
actually, I think destroyed the black community. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so basically, he was Obama was suing uh, Citigroup, uh, you know, right around the late '90s, you know, which then basically forced them to make all these loans mainly to black people, and then it was like a huge percentage. It was like 97, 98 percent of them ended up defaulting on the loans. But you know, here's City, you know, going back again because they've got to be woke now. Uh, you know, kind of rounding out some of the uh, next articles here are uh, articles John sent me about crypto. And we do see world's largest crypto exchange, which is Binance, is launching an NFT non-fungible token marketplace. And what you should know, but we don't know what you should know because this is Barron's article that we need to subscribe to, and I'm not subscribed to Barron, so I guess we don't know. But you know, I do think. And my throat is like super sore right now. So we will have to, you know, end this, you know, probably in like 10 minutes or so. But we do have, you know, I do think that the NFT market, there's a lot of, uh, excuse my language, a lot of stupid shit going on in that market where you're seeing like, (laughs) oh, here's some digital socks that are going for like, I forgot it was. I think I saw like something like $78,000 or maybe it was 7,800, whether 7,800 or 78,000, either way, it's stupid. But, you know, it's, I see a lot of stupid people just wasting their money on stupid shit like that. That's probably going to come back to bite them. Or now I heard there's like digital racehorses. People are spending money, but I think that the NFTs represent something really cool, but I think there's obviously a lot of mania going on. Tim, I have a Barron's article open. They're they're going to launch an NFT marketplace in June is what they're planning for. Okay. Well, so what's interesting there, though, is that uh, my, my thoughts, and I talk to my siblings that are, you know, 10 years younger than me, uh, that generation is all over digital stuff. Like, they, they live in the digital world. They, they, a lot of times, are in digital games where they have digital characters uh, that they do sell for a lot of money and all this stuff. So uh, the next generation, Tim, after like us, like we're kind of millennials still, like we're on the like far side of millennials, but the Gen Zs especially, uh, they are you know really uh, into this stuff. And so I, I think uh, with further digitalization and everything that is happening, I think uh, NFTs are here to stay actually. But I think there's a lot of stupidity, of course, uh, out there uh, with NFTs, a lot of stupid things that people get into, like digital socks and and other things. But you got to remember the young kids. You know they'll buy going from uh, stocks, land and going from other stocks things to on these digital platforms. <laughs> they don't know the difference. Yeah, no. maybe, maybe, maybe the socks might end up holding up better. Who knows? They almost build the same. So <laughs> they both stink. I don't know. So, and then we've got uh, <laughs> world's first Bitcoin rewards credit card is coming. How to get it? And it's Mastercard and Gemini team up for a crypto rewards credit card. And uh, you know, I think this is really cool. I mean, personally, I'd uh, much rather have this. And I think I signed up for something, and then I got busy and never actually executed on this. But you know, why the fuck am I gonna hold on to my, you know, Southwest rewards card to get airline miles when we're probably not even allowed to fly? you know, very soon here. And, you know, oh, we're not getting the vaccines. We're not gonna be allowed to fly. So why should I be caring about airline miles for something that I'm not really going to be able to even reap the benefits of? So, you know, I'm all about this. Uh, You know, when this starts coming out, you know, sign me up. I just have been, uh, I think I was on like one of the early lists and I just got too lazy and never, never actually went ahead and did that. But uh, what about you guys? I mean, are you guys all, you know, waiting and geared up to get your crypto rewards credit cards? I don't, I'm signed up for one. I don't know how much I'll 
actually use it, but uh, BlockFi partnered with Visa, and they're offering a similar product, and I saw I signed up for that one. But yeah, it's it's a credit card. Like you're you're still spending credit, so you know if you're not financially responsible and can't handle a line of credit, it it's gonna get you in trouble all the same. Like it, it's it's not some magic bullet because you're getting a cashback reward in Bitcoin. Like you still need to be no, yeah, no, no, hundred percent. Like the the ones that I I was involved early in like 2017 when they first came out, but that wasn't credit card. That was debit cards uh, right. that that were backed by Union Pay, by Mastercard, Visa. Uh, I've gotten a couple of those, but they never really worked too well back in the day. Uh, I have looked at the Crypto.com debit cards, yes. so uh, which I probably like I, I set it up and but I'm having problems because I have like a joint account with my wife for my utilities. So for some reason, my utilities and other things with my address on it, uh, they're just not letting it uh, go through. So it's kind of pain in the ass, and I haven't, you know, paid attention to it over the last couple of weeks, which I probably should try to get get the the get the card. Uh, it's it's nice to have it. It's nice to be able to show that you could actually uh, go out and spend and start using your crypto. Um, because we, we should do that as well on top of, you know, having Bitcoin, digital gold, uh, we should uh, go out there and spend Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash and other uh, other things. Yeah, don't spend your Bitcoin because it costs like 18 bucks a transaction right now. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, you know, not even worth it to do that. Um, and then we see we've got Ethereum futures seem like they're on the way according to the CMA. Um, that's the Chicago yeah. Mercantile Exchange, yeah. why institutions are hyped about Ether futures and trading. And uh, I'm kind of surprised this hasn't already happened. And it seems like a lot of the other uh, institutions are, you know, very bullish on Ethereum. And and if you guys might remember, like years back, I think this is even like 2017, there was an Ethereum Enterprise Alliance that had some of like the biggest, you know, corporations out there that were all, you know, a part of this with JP Morgan being one of them, which is funny. They're always bad mouthing Bitcoin, but yet here they are in an Ethereum enterprise alliance and part of me thinks that maybe they like the fact that not to get into the inside baseball but at one point there was this uh the ethereum network was basically like hacked at one point and then they or there was some uh you know transaction where the coins got stolen they had the they voted to roll back the network and i think you know these big kind of scumbag globalist type companies like the fact that you could technically have somebody like Vitalik that could roll back the network. I don't want to really get into that. That's a whole another like inside baseball deal that could be going on for, uh, you know, for, for quite a while, but it just goes to show. And, and there are like legitimate use cases of why somebody would want to like hedge Ethereum. You know, let's say like you would, you own a bunch of Ethereum and you want to go buy a home and it's going to take like two months to close on the home. Then you can buy some Ethereum put options hypothetically once this is out and then sort of like, protect your position in there and then that way if ethereum goes up then you know then you're you're not gonna you know you'd be able to have to spend a lot less ethereum on your home so there are you know actual use cases other than speculation but i'm sure most people are just going to use it to speculate so let's not uh let's not (laughs) yeah let's not joke ourselves let's not get get too far ahead of ourselves obviously they're going to use it to speculate you know, I, I think that Ethereum probably is going to be like closer to like 15, 20,000 maybe by the year. And, uh, meanwhile, Bitcoin will be more in the 150 to two, 300,000 uh, range. 
uh, because there is a lot of uh, a lot of uh, corporations that are sitting on the fence. They're waiting uh, to get in. There's uh, just recently another corporation that just bought like ten million dollars worth of uh, Bitcoin on their balance sheet. Uh, I forgot which one it is. I, I sent that earlier. It just came to my mind. Um, and uh, there's going to be a lot more to come as uh, currencies around the world are starting to struggle. Look at look at Turkey, for example, where they had to uh, fire two central bankers uh, already. And uh, you're basically, uh, he fired his trade minister now. Uh, there's just massive turmoil. That, and it's we've got to remember, Turkey is one of the biggest economies in the world. It's G20 country. Uh, so it's not a tiny country to go bust if, if the Turkish lira goes south. Uh, that has a lot to do with global trade because they're, they're such an important uh, country actually in the world um, when it comes to actually good, like a lot of commodities, uh, especially on the food side, are made in Turkey. It was, I was very surprised to see how much Turkey was on the top five list of, of creating commodities in the world. So uh, Turkey is though uh, in trouble with their lira and uh, there's, you know, liras before they failed um like the the italian lira failed uh, back in the day uh, of course so uh, there's more liras to come and go uh throughout this time uh but um i think there's a, a building pressure worldwide right now uh, with a lot of currencies that are going bust and it's not just the lira it's uh the zimbabwean dollar is back at uh, going bust again uh, the new Venezuelan Bolivar is hyperinflating. Uh, Zurinam is struggling uh, with their currency. Uh, the Argentinian peso is uh, really bad. The Lebanon Lebanese pound is uh, going south. Uh, the Nigerian, uh, I forgot what the currency is called there. It's getting pounded. Uh, is, yes, is struggling as well. As, as Turkey, of course, and a whole wide array of uh, Angola is another serial defaulter that's uh, starting to struggle again with, you know, the double digits over 20, uh, over 20 percent uh, inflation on an annual basis. So it's, it's a lot of problems out there uh, that are just uh, seeming to start to get bigger and bigger. And there's more and more of them in trouble now. Uh, and I think uh, that we're going to see a lot more to come. Uh, as we're moving into this default type of uh, behavior because the mass amounts of spending that will ha be happening right now by governments to try to prop you know, the massive failure of shutting down the economy, destroying businesses, uh, and then they're basically coming back with, oh, we're just going to create government jobs for all those private jobs that were lost. Uh, and uh, so basically, we're going to have to tax people to death and... Uh, it's it's not going to be a good outcome here. Uh, they're going to create exorbitant amount of currency that will actually start flowing into the economy. And and when that starts to happen, there's uh, massive ramifications for the Western countries. I think it is Tim uh, that we're going to see over the next ten years now, where uh, we're we're getting to the end game here, and uh, they've been able to extend it a lot longer because we have uh, a lot of technology right now that we could do things and interventions on a very fast basis. Because they need to keep up the trust in the system, and they're doing that with the plunge protection team with the quantitative easing. Without that, you know, the trust would be gone, and we hyperflated away our currencies a long time ago. Actually, if we didn't have the digital uh, interventions that we've had. 
Yeah, lots of digital interventions have been being had. And, uh, you know, some, some of the other digital news over here is damn huge. Germany opens up to institutional crypto funds and basically saying that 4,000 existing institutional investment funds are now eligible to invest into crypto assets. So apparently they had some sort of law that prevented them from doing so. And now they're able to allocate uh, 20% of them to crypto assets uh, starting in July 1st. So get out of the Reichmark. No, sorry, that, that's a long time ago. On the Goldmark, Reichmark, Renmark, Deutschmark, and then uh, Visa CEO says payments giant is moving into crypto in a very big way. And so, you know, we had already talked about how, you know, MasterCard and Gemini were getting together. Well, you know, now we've got Visa in on it too, and, and they don't want to be left behind. And so, you know, basically it's taking, uh, you know, this technology and then making it in such a way where the big sort of institutions want to basically put themselves in between Bitcoin, which, you know, might help for the greater adoption. But the problem is, you know, could it be there's some major, you know, crash someday in Bitcoin? Obviously not. Could it be? Eventually there's going to be a major crash. And then the government's going to be like, oh, look at that. We need to protect you guys from this major crash. And look, grandma, or, all this money in Bitcoin. So now we're going to, uh, you know, basically use, uh, you know, Bitcoin to, uh, you know, have a stable coin to help prevent people from losing money. Yeah, or why? Why don't we just uh, start to talk about Bitcoin in in uh, Satoshi's terms instead of like mentioning the the fiat price because that's what we always do. Uh, most people think uh, about that because that's what we know, and, and and we can't like it seems like most people can't fathom like actually pricing something in Satoshi's or and light light. No, I don't know what the Litecoin the nominations are called or bitcoin cash uh but like toshi you know what what bears. if it's oh there we go yeah <laughs> like toshi yeah. and, and yeah. bear makes <laughs> sense <laughs> so yeah so the, if we started to actually talk about the uh, things in in those type of terms where we actually price things out in, in those terms it'd be very interesting tim because uh i think that could be a part of the future especially for a breakout type of society on the side that doesn't want to participate in the digital currencies, we can use those currencies uh, still to trade in between each other uh, on, on the outside. And, and probably more and more people will join us to see what enslavement grid the other system is. Uh, and, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting over the next uh, decade. This decade is going to be probably more interesting than the last decade we lived through, even though it was pretty an, an insane decade the last decade. So, I think we're in for a lot of this, and it's going to be a you know an insane amount of money uh, coming out. So it's it's so bad actually that uh, uh, all this currency coming out that I actually blocked John's screen here. So uh, there we go. But anyways, uh, I I think we're going to see a lot more of that coming uh, from these central bankers and and with the digital currencies, if they ever go to it, it's so much simpler to you know issue an exorbitant amount. It's way, way faster than, you know, it is to print anything. What's interesting, though, in Canada, we're still increasing the, the supply of, uh, of uh, notes in circulation, which is very interesting, but a very interesting tidbit compared to the U.S. It's actually shrinking slightly, uh, the issuance of it. Uh, we're still actually uh, putting out. So we, we're increasing our, uh, our cash supply. But in Scandinavia, the cash supply is down drastically. 
so I think Scandinavia is probably one of the next ones to go. Uh, you have the e-krona in Sweden. Actually, Bahamas, uh, talking about central bank digital currencies, Bahamas and the ECC uh, something B, or I, I forgot what it's called down there. There's a consortium of islands. Uh, they actually launched the central bank digital currency as well, Tim. Uh, so th- th- there's going to be a lot of this going forward. And uh, central bank digital currencies equals imprisonment and enslavement for the rest of your life. And uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies uh, equals the total opposite, pure freedom and uh, the ability to live a life without uh, government intervention. And Why don't you tell us how you, how you really feel about that, John, when it comes to central bank digital currencies? <laughs> you know, central bank digital currencies is like uh, basically somebody giving me, uh, I don't even know what to compare it to. Maybe if somebody came to my yard and, and wanted to uh, prank me and fill my yard with raw sewage, that's basically what I think about central bank digital currencies. If somebody filled my yard with uh, just raw sludge, and crap yeah i think that's a good way of putting it but anyways that was all the articles uh you know i think that we wanted to cover today i mean obviously you see stuff like i mean i don't really like getting political but you know we saw rudy giuliani had his apartment getting raided but you know what and you know they obviously didn't do that great of a job during the swamp because you know look what's happening to them but it's just you know the overarching story of i don't like talking about politics anymore because it's all bs i mean we've all known it's been bs for a long time but I want to talk about actual solutions, what's coming down the pipeline. And, you know, wow, the, a very corrupt government went and did something corrupt. Oh, you know, <laughs> I'm so shocked. I can't like, believe really? it. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, no, uh, it- yeah, I guess the only things we'll promote is, you know, you guys see it on the bottom ticker to go to float odyssey bit You can find us on you know all sorts of different podcast apps and go to Tim and John show.com. You can check out the discord. All the links will be there at timandjohnshow.com. Uh, still looking for help for people. We did have somebody reach out last time, so definitely, and talking with somebody right now, but looking for other people to help uh, myself when it comes to the business. But anyways, uh, let me know, and you, you can still go on to, uh, to sign up to potentially become a client, although right now I did dramatically up the uh, minimum requirements just because running low on time. But anyways, uh, John, what do you want to plug? Got the economictruth.org. Yeah, or G. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's but basically where you can find me. Uh, no, definitely not. Uh, I'm working on a lot of uh, projects there. As I said, I'm working on a big commodities uh, uh, type of war game scenario where I'm going to war game out the next uh, decade over what's going to happen because I think there's going to be war of commodities, uh, including water and, and so on, because... Uh, the fee currency is going to go to garbage and what always wins at that time is commodities and real things. So I think it's important to game that out. And so I'm creating a massive report. We'll see where it's uh, when it's going to be released, probably within the next two, three months. Uh, but otherwise, you can find my book, Canada, the greatest economy in the world, question mark. Uh, you really, the, I, I actually had people from all across the world buying it. And uh, people really seem to like it because it seems very similar in their countries as it is in Canada. So a lot of people have been buying that where I go into the Canadian economy, uh, what I think about it, the massive debt problem that Canada has. I warned about that in 2014. And now finally politicians are coming out and saying that, oh, we might have a debt problem in Canada uh, after such a long time. I, I foresaw this coming for a very long time. Uh, then I got the, uh, the end of freedom, harm, monetary system enslaves us. 
which is uh, a book on uh, you know how actually the uh, the whole monetary system came to be from the start to to the to the late. And I talked about Bitcoin there. You know what? One interesting th- uh, thing, uh, Tim, in those books is that I predicted. Uh, there was one country that went, and it was Switzerland, I believe, at the time that went into negative rates. I so said, like, there's going to be a lot more negative rates coming. And sure enough, you know, we were seeing corporate rates negative, and and even uh, the overnight secured lending, uh, which is 836 billion dollars that the Fed has been negative now at the at the one percentile uh, for a very long time for the best uh, borrowers. So. Uh, you know, we've been predicting a lot of things, me and Tim, that are coming through every day. Uh, and so you can follow us uh, and go on my website. You'll find my all, all the data on uh, the Federal Reserve that I'm tracking on a almost daily basis uh, as well. And that's why we've been talking about her. Uh, and you can find uh, all uh, the interviews and everything that I've done and uh, connect with me, you know, and make sure that... Uh, you follow us, uh, sign up for the Tim and John show uh, newsletter and join our Discord. We're actually working on, I'm, I'm still in some, having some technical difficulties, uh, inviting people to my Element uh, and Matrix server, which is the new uh, platform that we're going to be starting to use very soon uh, for our chat group. But we're still using Discord, so you could go and join our Discord, both from uh, Tim, the Tim and John show site or from the economic truth site. So make sure you check that out as well. Uh, we're, we're having great conversations there. A lot of horseplay, of course. Uh, we have a Gulag channel uh, that everybody should join because we, we all need to understand how it is to, you know, be in the Gulag. We need to train on it. So I, I thought it was great to create a Gulag and, and it gets a little bit out of hand there sometimes. And What's funny is the Discord vaccine bots are all over our channel now because we've been talking about COVID. Uh, and uh, before that, it was the it was the uh, Biden trolls that came in. So it's pretty hilarious that Discord is getting paid by the government or who else is paying them to do, send all these bots. Uh, so it's you know it's an end to Discord as well. So we're we're trying to move over right now on to the Matrix and Element. Uh, which is, I think, it's the future. Which is uh, peer-to-peer encrypted, tra- uh, you know, uh, chat groups uh, where you're going to be able to be a part of a group that you know are looking at the future. We're discussing uh, how to position ourselves because uh, there's a lot of turmoil coming. Uh, even though that it seems, if you re- read in uh, the mainstream media, other than the virus stuff, it seems like the economy is doing fantastic. And uh, you know, we're uh, we're in the roaring twenties. They're calling it so. Uh, just say, yeah, follow everything that we do there and uh, make sure that you subscribe to our newsletter, of course. Yeah, I think you're giving uh, Chris Neff a uh, run for his money and how long you go at the end for uh, different <laughs> shout outs and things like that. So we'll have to have some uh, Discord reader shout outs and you guys can find Arthur Diamond Hands. Is, what's the, what's your handle on uh, on Discord? Is, it's, it's all Arthur Diamond Hands yeah. now. Arthur Diamond, oh, yeah. Arthur Diamond Hands. Okay, cool. Well, I would definitely appreciate all your help and thank you guys so much. Make sure to subscribe on the links down below. Uh, we're going to try to come into you, you know, hopefully at least once a week. My voice has been uh, absolutely shot from all the allergies over here. But anyways, this is Tim Pachot, Liberty Advisor, John Stice, The Economic Truth, Arthur Diamond Hands as Arthur Diamond Hands, and we will talk to you guys later. Take care.